Hi everyone, welcome to From Scribbles to Skyrocket, a podcast about preparing for change and where I document my preparation for my sabbatical. And uh, yeah, I'll let you in on a secret. I have booked my ticket, yay! I feel like I want to talk about that more separately and not even on this episode, but I thought it's only right to share that with you. So yeah, it's um, it's happening, guys. Anyway, firstly, of course, well, secondly, I guess, Happy New Year to everyone. I hope you all had a really smooth transition into the new year, a safe transition. I certainly did. I had a really chilled 31st of um, December, New Year's Eve. Had a lovely catch up with my friend over sushi. Just kept it really simple, really cute. And um, yeah, to be honest, I kept that whole festive period, like from the 23rd until like, I think the 3rd. I kept it completely low key, very simple. I didn't do much and I absolutely loved it. I was the bum. I loved it. Stayed in bed as long as I could on some days you know, and just, just lazied about, watch Netflix, you know, when you like fall asleep on the sofa and then you have to rewind and go back to where you were before. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed that because I just needed some much needed rest. It was just needed. Initially, I did thought it was a little bit weird staying in the country and like using my annual leave in the country. Because the previous um, period, I was in Ghana and usually I don't tend to be in the country, I tend to be in the Netherlands. So it was nice to kind of just be in my space and just, you know, not having to come back and then you still have to do laundry. And knowing me, I would, if I travel, I'll come back as tight as possible, um, work the next day and you just straight back into it. And there's just no resting, no breathing space. So... I'm happy I was able to kind of just chill in my space. And yeah, that was good. Was lazy, but also was a bit productive. Did a couple of things. And a couple of things also include hosting the very first Scribble Your Vision. So I spoke about that on the last episode. So that was an online vision boarding event. And The goal of that was to collectively put time aside for our goals and our vision. And yeah, that went quite well. And by the time this episode comes out, we would have held, I say we, me, I, but we, including the attendees as well, I guess, you know, would have had the second workshop. That workshop was um, inspired by an in-person event that I attended back in 2018 I believe and I talk about this in more detail in episode three you know why didn't I start doing this earlier and in preparation for the workshop and I guess also you know time of year etc I was doing some reflection so usually when I reflect I don't only reflect of the past year because sometimes you can just see the past year in isolation and think hmm Did I really, excuse me, you might think, you might look at the past year and think, "Mm, 
did I really do much or have I really achieved much, etc. But then if you kind of look back over a longer period of time, you do realise how much progress you've made. So I do tend to look back, you know, a couple of years and of course also the previous 12 months. Yeah, luckily, although I don't necessarily journal, I do write down a lot of things, especially like short to medium term priorities and goals or even to-do lists and I try to keep it in the same notebook for you know for reflection purposes and yeah I don't know it helps me I find writing it down just you know really helpful also because I otherwise just feel really overwhelmed keeping all of these things in my head so you may recall that in episode three I said I was really miserable at work and I didn't like my job And, you know, getting a new job was on my vision board for 2018, which happened. So that was obviously not by accident. I mean, I did apply and I got it and I interviewed and I got it. But I was offered a job where I didn't have any experience in the field. I didn't have the technical skills needed to fulfill it. And nor did I enter at entry level, which at the time was a big deal for me. So when I think about it, it made me realise, hold on, it was a change that I did actively prepare for and I wanted to go, I wanted to hone in on that a little bit more and share that with you on the podcast because I realised, hold on, I did actually prepare for a change and, you know, using the terms of the podcast and skyrocketed and that is when it's my first time doing it I don't know but I guess in this context if someone was to ask me when was the first time you skyrocketed and by that I mean you know prepared and made an intentional change I think that would be the first thing I would think of was when I left my first job or at least the first organization that I worked for So let me take you back and back to the start, how I started, how it all started. So I started my career at a local government body as a graduate and I applied for this position. I missed the phone interview. So I did the online test and everything like that, the competency questions online, all good. Had a phone interview scheduled and yeah, I just saw a missed call and it was a private number so I couldn't even call back. By the time I got hold of them, the position was already filled. So yeah, I was gutted, obviously, but I was offered something else. And initially I thought, oh, should I take it? It's not really what I want, but it's in the same company, same industry, just a different um, discipline. So I thought, you know what, let me just take it because it's a foot in the door I heard it's a good place to um, work for and there are probably like, you know, opportunities to manoeuvre, etc. Once I'm in, I'll try and see if I can worm my way to the position that I wanted. The manager that I had was lovely. She was great. And I was also given a fantastic mentor who helped me navigate the organisation. He worked there for about, I think, almost 20 years or so. So he knows the organisation really, really well. But um, yeah, although, yeah, so I took the job and started 
but really and truly I felt like my heart was still with that first position that I applied for and I didn't get. So I made sure that I told my manager this and that I also told my mentor this. And by making this clear, I um, I managed to get a placement in that discipline for like a couple of months so that I can get an idea of, you know, what it's like to work in that field and if it's something that I want to move to. Unfortunately, at the end of my graduate scheme, I ended up in the place department team, you know, where I guess the misery that I talk about in episode three or that, you know, just that period of unhappiness at work started. But in the back of my mind, I always knew that I still wanted to move and to manoeuvre to that first discipline that I applied for and didn't get. So I did things like, you know, becoming a member of their professional body, attending some like industry events where there's networking events, workshops, study groups. I even went abroad to attend a conference. I paid for this myself. I thought, you know what, it's a good networking opportunity as well internationally, which was really good. I I was just, you know, trying to keep up with what, what was going on in that industry. And through the professional body, there's also a route for, um, for professional qualification. So, and usually with professional qualifications, you know, each professional body has a set of criteria of skills and competencies, etc., that you need to meet in order to, um, to get that qualification. And of course, some type of assessment criteria as well. So through that, through reading the criteria, I felt like, okay, these are the skills and the type of experience and exposure that I need to, um, I guess, to obviously to get that qualification. But I assume these are the overall things that you need to just work in that field generally anyway. So knowing what they were, and again, although I was in the team that I didn't like, I was still quite open in terms of trying to seek new opportunities and diversify my day job. So I was looking at ways of how to feed those um I guess how to like gear my development and how to feed those tasks and skills, etc., into my day job just to kind of ensure that I could have something transferable for when the time comes to move. And also I just spoke a lot to the people that I used to work with while I was on the placement and just sought advice as well, spoke to people, asked for advice said, what is it that, you know, I should be doing? What should I be paying attention to? And it got to a point where I also realised that not only did I want to change the fields that I was working in, I also wanted to, um, and by the field, I mean discipline, by the way. I think I'm using it interchangeably, but I've never changed um, industry, to put it that way. But just within the industry, there are different disciplines. So I knew I wanted to change, you know, the um, the discipline that I'm working in or like my line of work. And I also wanted to change from 
working in the public sector to the private sector and specifically consultancy. And I think the reason for that, and this is going to sound really, really, really shallow, (laughs) but the reason for that was because, you know, it was just, I guess it was just glamorized and maybe at the time from, you know, being on client side and being maybe public sector um, perspective at the time and not knowing anything else, that it just seemed really glamorous. It seemed like, you know, you get better benefits and also that it was higher paid. And I, you know, I wanted a piece of that as well. I wanted that. And having spoken to people like internally and also, you know, those that have worked at the organisation I was working at for like over 10 years, they kind of felt like they were there and they were working at this organization because they had no other choice. Yeah, not because they enjoyed it or because they genuinely, you know, liked it or genuinely felt like, you know, they could um, develop their career here. They just felt they didn't have a choice. They just felt stuck. They just felt that they were not mobile. They didn't know better or they didn't know anything else. And I don't know, institutionalized, maybe, dare I even say it. And I just knew that can't be me. I was like, there's no way I can be, you know, be institutionalized, be that comfortable. I just thought, nah. And that organization, a lot of things are said, like, you know, it's a job for life. There's a good pension, shorter work week. Why would you want to give that up? And there was a lot of scaremongering of, you know, the ideas of consultancy. You're just going to work 50 hours and your clients will still not be happy. All all of this type of stuff. Why would you want to put yourself through that? Mainly because I just hate the idea of feeling stuck. I hate the idea of feeling complacent especially at that, you know, at that age, I was only like three years into into my career. If there's any time to explore different fields, well, you know, that was it. And that's not to say I wasn't, you know, scared of making that transition, leaving stability, leaving that so-called um, job for life, and um, also just potentially just not liking it. Obviously, there's a chance I'd never worked in a consultancy at that time. So oh, I might not even like it. So, but yeah, I just, I just couldn't see myself staying there, especially seeing how colleagues around me who have been there for a while feel stuck. And I was just like, no, 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 no. There's no way. Anyway, at the time, I didn't think I stood a chance applying for consultancies. And, you know, it's an environment I'd never worked in. I didn't have the technical skills to fulfill the role of, you know, of that um, field, of that discipline that I wanted to work in. So although I was doing a lot of like knowledge gathering and trying to be um, commercially aware of what's going on in the industry, because I didn't do the day-to-day technical work, I did not have the technical skills. It's just something that you learn on the job. So it would have 
probably been easier to have moved to the other field internally than externally. But um, yeah, so I thought, you know what, I'll apply anyway, because oh, what's the worst that could happen? I don't get the job, at least I still have a job, right? So I applied, I got it, but trust me, the imposter syndrome that came, whoa, it was very, very, very real. I felt like I was starting from scratch without actually starting from scratch because I didn't like, you know, because of the um, level I was hired at, I didn't come in as a graduate or I didn't come in as like an assistant or anything like that. I just came in and um, yeah, there was definitely a huge, humongous knowledge gap, which I felt really, really, really self-conscious of. I felt for the first couple of weeks, I just felt really, um, you know, basically not good enough. I was just like, oh my God, I'm meant to know this much and I just don't know it. And I don't know how I'm going to learn. And obviously I knew if I want to fulfill this role, I'm going to have to learn it somehow. But yeah, I just remember the imposter syndrome was, oh, it was, yeah, it was really, really nerve wracking at the time. But then I also then remembered, but they hired me. I didn't lie on my CV. I didn't lie in my interview in terms of my experience, etc. And obviously I highlighted, you know, my transferable skills and how involved I was in terms of networking and research and all, all of that type of stuff. But in terms of the day to day, I, I it's not something I lied about, but they offered me the job, so they must have seen something in me. So I just also needed to see that something in me and needed to believe that I was worthy of being there because obviously they didn't have to hire me. So yeah, that thought really had to set in for me to get over my imposter syndrome, be more comfortable with asking for help and getting up to speed with, you know, where I'm meant to be technically. So fast forward to now, I am so happy I made that step. I'm really happy I made that step. I, as part of that step, by the way, I took a pay cut, which has definitely paid off. And there is no what if in my mind whatsoever there's no what if I stayed because that's hypothetical and it's not real so I never actually there was no period where I thought even with that imposter syndrome there's no period where I thought oh maybe I shouldn't have moved or or so yeah it is what it is and I have a feeling that if I didn't like it, I'm pretty sure I would have just kept it moving and looked for something I would like or I would have liked. I think my main challenge was just finding that initial confidence to move. That was something I did definitely struggle with because I feel like leaving your first job is a big deal. Looking back, I'm really happy I opened my mouth to voice what I wanted, like to my manager, to my mentor, because 
I feel like that really, really helped open up opportunities for me in terms of getting that placement, for example, and also just getting direction, you know, getting put in touch with the right people. And yeah, it's just one of those things, you know, you don't ask, you don't get, you just have to have to voice what you want, really. And also, you know, investing the time and money into professional development and networking, researching the necessary skills and knowledge and trying to go out of my way to gain them as well. These are, I guess, the efforts that I made that have really, really paid off in terms of, you know, trying to move into a different field externally from the organisation that I was working in. And yeah, I feel like, you know, in terms of, you know, having scribbled something and then skyrocketed, I feel like, yeah, I I can tick it off that I, I have done it. So this was a thought and realisation that, you know, so in terms of like, you know, scribbling and skyrocketing, i.e. intentionally preparing for change and then actually doing it, I can say I've done it. It came with definitely a lot of prep work, lots of emotion after, during the change, lots of feeling issues and discomfort, you know, at the start of the change as well, you know, like with the imposter syndrome, catching up. It wasn't a comfortable process, but in the long run, it is something that has definitely, definitely paid off. So I feel like if I've done it before, why can't I do it again? I I should be able to do it again, right? And yeah, this was just a thought or like a realisation that came to me as I was doing my periodic reflection. And obviously I have to add that I'm grateful, that I'm really grateful, that, you know, element of gratitude is really, really important. Because I feel like there was a time in my life where I wished and prayed to be in the position that I am today. And yeah, and here I am, it is today, basically. And I am definitely grateful for for seeing how far I've come. And that's why I feel writing things down and having something to look back on. It's, it's really hard to gauge how far you've come or the headspace you were at previously if if you don't have that recorded somewhere. I mean, for me, writing it down on paper is just, I guess, a personal preference. But, I mean, having something to just look back on, to reflect on, being grateful for how far you've come, it just reconfirms your ability of, you know, making the changes that you want to make or you know, achieving the things that you want to achieve in whatever aspect of life. And it just motivates you for 
going further as well because you can see your track record and you're like, okay, I have made progress. I've gotten this far. I can go further. At least that's that's how I see it. I mean, I'm definitely curious and I'd love to get your thoughts on how reflection helps you or whether you reflect at all and whether that is something that, you know, has an active role in how you pursue things that you have set yourself out to do, have set out to do. And as much as I'm an advocate for, you know, vision boarding and goal setting and planning, etc., it is meaningless without action. You do have to put the work in and like writing it down or it's just not enough. And you know, as they say, was it something without action is just a wish? A dream without action is just a wish? Something like that. I don't know what it is that they say. Something along those lines. But writing it down is not enough. You definitely still have to put the work in, have the discipline, And, um, yeah, I think my word of this year, I saw it on Instagram. A friend of mine had an Instagram poll earlier today. I was talking about the word of the year. And I think my word of this year is going to be discipline. Because, yeah, I feel like discipline is kind of just what takes you over the line, really. That inconsistency, obviously. So that will be something that I'll be working on or that I'll particularly focus on. So that's where I will leave it. Thank you for listening and I'll speak to you soon. If you're listening via a platform where reviews can be held, please be ever so kind and rate and review. I'm always keen to hear your thoughts and your views, so... Do get in touch with me via email, scribble to skyrocket at gmail.com. Or, you know, my DMs are always open at scribble to skyrocket on Instagram. Do get in touch. Drop me a line. All right. Bye.